Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode in the Mind Melody space. Um, this is another episode with Dr. Jillian Galen. Uh, could you introduce yourself and some of the places you've worked and maybe taught? Sure, absolutely. So hi, um, thanks so much for having me. I'm Dr. Jillian Galen. I'm a clinical psychologist. Uh, I work at McLean Hospital, which is the um, Mass General Hospital um, affiliated psychiatric hospital uh, in Belmont, Massachusetts. Um, I'm currently the program director of the Three East residential programs, which are adolescent um, residential programs, uh, adolescent and young adult residential programs that are um, fully DBT. So we do DBT all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, we treat in our uh, intensive residentials, we'll treat um, residents that are 14 to age 20. And we have a transitional living um, home for uh, residents that are 18 to 24. So all DBT all the time. Uh, I'm also the director of training for the Three East Continuum. So I train uh, bachelor's level floor staff in DBT. I train postdoctoral fellows and psychologists um, to be DBT therapists. Um, I've been at McLean about 15 years. I was their first postdoctoral fellow uh, and then have moved up into being program directors and directors of residentials and directors of training. Uh, I also have a small uh, private practice uh, in the area where I uh, spend a lot of time with parents, teaching them DBT skills and providing parent coaching to support uh, their kids in DBT. And then I also see children and adults um, for DBT therapy. Okay, so um, you said DBT a lot um, for the viewers. What can you explain what DBT is and what it stands for a little bit? Absolutely. So DBT stands for Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. Um, it's the gold standard evidence based treatment for people that are struggling with suicide um, and self injury and uh, very intense emotions that come along uh, with it. Um, it was developed by a woman uh, psychologist named Dr. Marsha Linehan in uh, the late 70s and the early 80s. And um, what she found is that she was very interested in treating people, uh, predominantly women with borderline personality disorder who relied on self-destructive behaviors to regulate emotions. And she found that this group of uh, women were often um, sort of stuck in and out of hospitals uh, and not getting effective treatment. Um, later on, many years later, uh, probably about this point, maybe about 10 years ago, uh, we learned that Marshall Linehan also had borderline personality disorder and struggled with these behaviors um, and had made it her mission uh, when she was in the depths of despair to create an evidence-based treatment. So what she found um, at the time, the first thing she tried was cognitive behavioral therapy, which made a lot of sense. That was really up and coming evidence-based treatment. And she found that doing cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a very change-based therapy, was not at all effective with this group of patients. And in fact, they got worse. Uh, They felt misunderstood and that the demands to change their behavior felt uh, invalidating. Um, and like people were minimizing their suffering. So they mm-hmm. tended to get more suicidal and self-injurious and uh, miserable. So then um, as a, a, a real sort of behaviorist and empiricist, she went all the way to the other side and she tried a mindfulness-based, so a very, very acceptance-based treatment and it didn't work. So they also felt uh, misunderstood and felt like um, you know all the treatment was doing was asking them to accept the current suffering and not actually helping them change. 
So she came across a theory of dialectics, actually accidentally, the the story goes that it was her, uh, one of her secretary's husband was doing a PhD in in this uh, science of dialectics, which is this philosophy that two opposing things can exist at the same time. So she took the theory of dialectics and she took cognitive behavioral therapy and she took mindfulness-based acceptance therapy and she thought about putting them together and she came up with dialectical behavioral therapy, which is a synthesis of mindfulness-based therapy and uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. So acceptance skills and change skills. So it's an evidence-based therapy. It's a skills-based therapy. It works on this idea of skills deficits. So it treats, um, it, it provides skills in four major areas, emotion regulation and interpersonal effectiveness as very much change oriented um, skills and mindfulness skills and distress tolerance skills as uh, acceptance skills. So she found that people that come to DBT tend to have deficits in all four of these areas. And she found that if we can teach them the skills and they can practice the skills, um, then they get better. So she did a lot of research and um, found that actually it was a very effective treatment and it's currently the gold standard. Standard DBT is one to two individual sessions with the DBT therapist each week. Uh, Once a week skills training that involves um, homework. So people are learning skills and they are practicing them um, in the week. Um, Sometimes people might have also have a psychopharmacologist that's not part of DBT. DBT is a a behavioral treatment and it provides on-call skills coaching. So I am on call for my patients to provide them coaching for skills use in between sessions. So they don't call me and have therapy. Mm-hmm. They call me, they've tried a skill, they have a problem. We figure out the problem and then we come up with skills that they can use and then off they go. Mm-hmm. Um, is DBT also used with patients with borderline personality disorder? DBT is the gold standard treatment for borderline personality disorder. All right. yeah. There are other evidence-based treatments as well, but it is currently the the, the gold standard for treating borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. So could you describe your field within um, treating patients with borderline personality disorder and some of like the most common ways borderline personality disorder presents itself? Sure. So often people with... Um, you know, borderline. So the challenge with the borderline personality disorder diagnosis is it's it's a reasonably um, wide, uns, in some ways unspecified diagno- diagnosis based on the diagnostic criteria. So you need five of nine. So if you do the math, you have over about 240 different permutations of people that can meet the criteria for borderline personality disorder. That being said, when you spend a lot of time, like I do treating people with borderline personality disorder, there's very common, more common uh, presenting symptoms. So people with borderline personality disorder tend to struggle significantly with emotion regulation. So they may be more reactive, okay? So they hold on to emotions longer. They tend to be sensitive people. So they feel things more deeper. They feel things deeper and longer than the average person with a very slow return to baseline, okay? And they have a hard time regulating these very, very big emotions, okay? As a result, they tend to rely on self-destructive behaviors. So many people that come to DBT um, come because they have found behaviors that work very quickly, like self-injury, substance use, Um, significant avoidant behaviors, 
Uh, Mood-dependent behaviors, if they aren't having a good day, they simply don't do what they need to do um, during that day. Um, and they tend to struggle with a lot of suicidal behaviors or suicidal ideation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So those are the really common ones around emotion regulation. They often tend to, to struggle, which if you struggle with emotion regulation, sometimes you can also struggle interpersonally. Mm -hmm. So they tend to have um, very intense, um, they may have very intense emotional, uh, emotionally intense uh, interpersonal relationships. Um, they often struggle. One of the diagnostic criteria is fear of real or perceived abandonment. So they often may worry that people are going to leave them, which often results in a lot of ineffective behavior that may make people ultimately leave them anyways, mm -hmm. right? Because they may be known as sort of clingy or just having a very hard time um, needing a lot of reassurance. So those are really the most common symptoms. Other symptoms include things like difficulty managing anger, either big anger bursts or really not, um, not expressing or feeling anger at all. So kind of one of those extremes. Um, difficulties with sense of self, sort of not feeling like they know who they are, but maybe taking on different identities of other people. Sometimes they're referred to as chameleons when they're with one group of people, they try to like the things that those people like or do what those people like. Um, and then with another group, they sort of take the cues from that group as opposed to feeling like they have their own um, really steady um, steady identity. Um, you know, th those are really the most, um, you know, the most common features of people that struggle with borderline personality disorder. You said there's over 240 combinations of ways someone can be diagnosed with BPD, right? Yeah. Um, so because of this, have there been a lot of cases where someone isn't diagnosed till super later on in their life um, because of the different, like a lot of ways the, the disorder can present itself? Yeah, it's, that's a great question. So, you know, one of the challenges with borderline personality disorder is absolutely. Although what I can tell you is often when people um, present for treatment with things like self-injury, mm -hmm. more now that there's more awareness of borderline personality disorder, it tends to maybe get them to the diagnosis quicker. Mm -hmm. um, I think the two things that tend to uh, make diagnosis difficulty uh, difficult for people with borderline personality disorder is one, this myth that you have to be 18 before you can be diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, um, which does a lot of people a very significant disservice because in fact, you can be diagnosed well before 18 with borderline personality disorder. You have to be mindful of what sort of typical adolescent mood dysregulation versus um, symptoms of borderline personality disorder. Um, but the unit that I work in was designed because there were so many kids that were, um, people were medicating them and doing all sorts of things to avoid the diagnosis until they hit 18. And then they would give them the diagnosis. And we just know that the earlier you intervene with skills training and DBT, the better people do. Um, so why delay the diagnosis? Um, you know, so the the one thing we also know about DBT is actually you don't have to have the diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. Um, research shows that if you have, um, you know, three of the five required uh, symptoms, 
that you can benefit from DBT anyways. So it's mm -hmm. a nice kind of screening or early sort of early intervention yeah. um, to head off maybe the, the sort of full blossoming of the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So I think the first one is a real myth that you can't diagnose people before 18. And I think the second thing is stigma. Um, you know, we get a lot of, uh, I talk with a lot of providers that say that um, they sent their patient to us, but they're way too nice and smart to have borderline personality disorder. So there's really a lot of um, stigma within the mental health system yeah. that I think prevents um, diagnosis, which is a really huge problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that probably the the third um, complication is that it can be a little bit challenging to, to discern for many providers um, the mood dysregulation associated with borderline personality disorder and the mood dysregulation that comes from bipolar disorder. So many people are misdiagnosed as bipolar and unfortunately medicated um, for bipolar when in fact they have borderline personality disorder. And it's... Um, it's a different type of mood dysregulation that when you understand borderline personality disorder, you can really very easily differentiate from a bipolar disorder. This isn't about the procedural treatment, but can you speak to some of the more medicinal treatments and how effective they are at alleviating the symptoms of BPD? Yeah, so there is no actually evidence that medication can... Um, medication is not effective in treating borderline personality disorder. So it's it's a it's a um, illness that responds to a behavioral treatment. Mm -hmm. That being said, um, many people that come to DBT have comorbidities that may respond to medication. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So it is possible to have bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder, and then you would need a, a psychopharmacological intervention for the bipolar mm -hmm. disorder. But it's not really going to. There's just no evidence. Yeah. Um, that it works. Okay. It works for the comorbidities and anxiety disorder, per, perhaps OCD, depression, um, which, you know, for some of the, you know, some of the impacts of having borderline personality disorder can lead to a depression for people feeling quite depressed or an increased anxiety. Once you treat the borderline personality disorder, often you can get those people off of the medication that they're taking for depression or anxiety. And sometimes they stay on a low dose of an antidepressant or mm -hmm. uh, anti-anxiety. Um, and on top of speaking to DBT, you've also written and spoke about mindfulness as a treatment for BPD. How effective has mindfulness shown to be? Yeah. So, so um, really the connection around mindfulness and borderline personality disorder is that mindfulness is the core skill of DBT actually. Mm -hmm. So it's at the, it's, it's really at the heart um, of the treatment. And um, often when people come to DBT, mindfulness is hard. Um, there's a lot of judgments. There's a lot of difficulty staying present in the moment, you know, not going to the past, not going to the future, uh, being very judgmental, you know, having difficulty sitting with emotions, experiencing things in the world around them. Um, often when people start DBT, especially if they're teenagers, they'll often say like, oh, mindfulness is stupid or I don't like it. And more times than not, when they are finishing up their course of D DBT, they find it to be the most helpful skill, mm -hmm. right? Slowing down and paying attention because people that's emotions run very fast, often come to DBT feeling like things just happen and they don't know why. Like, I don't know why I didn't get out of bed. I don't know why I self-injured. I mean, I kind of know, but I don't really know. And when you live a life sort of not knowing why these things happen, it happen, you don't have a whole lot of control. 
But when we can teach people to slow down and pay attention, right, then they start to have all sorts of different choices. You know, do I engage in the behavior or not? You know, do I um, just ride this out or do I not? Do I ask for help? Can I do this on my own? Um, so mindfulness is is really, really critical um, in the treatment of, of BPD, and we do it through DBT. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you teach and are incorporated into this mindfulness treatment? Yeah, so, you know, we, so Marshall Linehan breaks down mindfulness into skills the way she breaks everything else down into skills, right? So we talk about, um, beginning to pay attention to your states of mind. You know, when am I in a a state of mind that's driven by my emotions? When am I in a state of mind that's driven by my thinking, but devoid of my emotions? When am I in a state of mind, which is both, where I have access to how I know, how I feel and what I know? Mm -hmm. And then how do I move myself between those states of mind, right? How do I begin to have awareness that like, my emotions are running very high right now. This is not the time to make a decision, right? Or make that phone call, right? Mm-hmm. How am I going to shift my state of mind? So that that's a set of the skills are, are these skills. Um, we call them emotion mind, uh, rational mind, and a wise mind. We talk, we really break down what mindfulness is into these, what we call um, what and how skills, like what do I do to practice mindfulness? So we teach observe practices where you just notice. We teach describe practices where you learn how to notice something and describe it in a fact-based, non-judgmental way. And then we teach participate practices. How do you participate in something, let go of self-consciousness and stay in the moment? So that's what we teach. What do you do to practice mindfulness? And then we teach this set of how skills how do I do those what skills? Like, how do I do it? People often say, how do I do mindfulness, right? Well, we do things non-judgmentally. So we spend a lot of time talking about judgments and the function of judgments and what judgments are and when they're effective and when they're not, right? We talk about one thing in the moment, practice doing things the opposite of multitasking. Let's do Mm -hmm. one thing at a time and see what you notice, right? And we talked about effectiveness. We talk about learning to think about what's effective for what it, what the task is in front of me. Do I want to be right? Do I want to be effective? Do I, how do I modulate my goals and other people's goals, right? So we use the definition, um, when I teach John, we use John Kabat-Zinn's definition of mindfulness, paying attention on purpose mm-hmm. in a particular way yeah. and without judgment, okay? We use mindfulness as an attentional practice. How do you start to learn to move and be aware of your attention? That's hard because the thing that hijacks our attention are our emotions, right? So we're teaching you to regulate your emotions and work with your attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some other strategies on top of BPD and mindfulness that you found helpful that people can cope with BPD? Yeah. So, I mean, so DBT offers all sorts of different strategies. I mean, hundreds of skills, Um, you know, so, so we, we teach those distress tolerance skills about, you know, how do you get through the moment? What are some of these like skills that get you through the moment? They don't solve the problem, but they get you through the moment without making it worse. And these are often like different ways to distract yourself. Um, these are ways to, to work on your physiology, right? We, we teach something called a tip skill where, um, we teach something called an ice dive when you're very, very dysregulated, you put your face in a bowl of ice and water you activate your mammalian dive reflex which slows down your heart rate and all the physiology 
that often drives our emotional distress. Doing things like intense exercise, pace breathing, relaxation. Right? So we, we give a whole set of skills to help people in the beginning get them through the moment, right? So yeah. that they're more able to use those mindfulness skills and sort of identify emotions and then ride ride them out in the way that you know most of us do day to day. Um, teach a lot of emotion regulation skills. We teach didactically all about emotions. Like what are these primary emotions? What are secondary emotions? How can you learn to act opposite to those kinds of emotions, right? We talk a lot about emotional vulnerabilities, right? So what are we, those are our ABC please skills. How do we take care of ourselves? that's gonna help us create this most solid emotional foundation mm -hmm. that we can create? So then when life gets hard, we're as steady, as we can be, right? Yeah. And then we teach really basic um, interpersonal skills. We teach people how to get their objectives. We teach what's called a dear man skill. How do you ask effectively for what you need, right? How do you learn to validate yourself and others to maintain relationships, right? And then how do you, you know, we have a fast skill where we talk about how do you stand up for yourself and maintain your self-respect in relationships, right? Which is often very hard for people when they come to, mm -hmm. to DBT. So while the research is probably inconclusive surrounding BPD, is there a known or potential cause of BPD? You know, I mean, there there's certainly some um, data that it's familial, you know, so, you mm -hmm. know, here at 3 East, it's not uncommon for one parent to have borderline personality disorder or borderline traits um, and have the child also have, yeah. um, have BPD. Um, you know, I think they're they're just starting to do more, I think, genetic um, and imaging mm -hmm. studies. Um, and each treatment has its own, you know, kind of uh, theoretical underpinnings and understanding about why people have borderline mm -hmm. personality disorder. Marsha Linehan in DBT creates, uh, she created the biosocial theory. So she believes that borderline personality disorder really develops from being a biologically sensitive person and having that person kind of collide with an environment, she calls it an invalidating environment, which is, mm -hmm. is a little judgmental, I think, but is an environment that simply doesn't recognize the exquisite emotional sensitivity of the child. So, you know, there's a spectrum of invalidation. You have abuse and neglect on one side, and you just have a emotional mismatch on the other side, right? So you, most invalidation is well-meaning. You may have just an exquisitely sensitive child born to two parents that aren't terribly emotional. And they don't kind of know how to help that child understand and manage their emotions, okay? So they're often, you know, told to let it go or they're making a big deal of things or they're um, so sensitive or they're being a baby. And the kids don't really understand what to do. They understand that there's something wrong with their emotional system and that the world around them really values emotional control. So they need to do everything they can do to control their emotions. And as often as they get older, right, and emotions tend to run hotter in, in adolescence, they have to find, because they don't have the skills, they mm -hmm. have to find more and more intense ways to tamp down those emotions. And that's when they often move into very avoidant or self-destructive behavior. Yeah. So so Linehan's theory is one that is, a, is biological and environmental. Yeah. And something you already touched on and is like the ending question I like to ask all my guests, um, what are some things we can do to help eliminate the stigma surrounding BPD and mental health as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I think this is this is a great 
um, it's, it's a great question because it's a huge problem with borderline mm-hmm. personality disorder. And I think that the challenge, actually the stigma is actually not coming from people outside of the system. It's coming from people inside of the system. Um, you know, so I think what we really need to be doing is we need much better training um, and awareness and understanding of what borderline personality disorder is to providers, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it really isn't the outside world that is as judgmental as um, psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers um, that really judge people. Um, they often will call them manipulative and gamey and attention seeking Um and that's often because they don't know how to treat them. Actually, there's a there's multiple evidence based treatments where you can really help people with some of these behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what we need to do is better education um, for people in the mental health world, um, and that's where we're going to start to uh, chip away at the stigma mm-hmm. of borderline personality disorder. Yeah, that's a great thought. I never thought about. I always think about like outside the system, society, yeah. how society places a stigma on mental health. I never thought of it like the people that you would expect to be educated about the topic to place the stigma. Yeah, that that's where it is. That That's one of the unique challenges with borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's all I have for you today. Dr. Galen, um, is there anything else you'd like to add or any advice you have for someone with BPD or any other mental health illness? No, I mean, I think keep learning. Um, you know, if DBT sounds like a treatment for you, reach out and find a DBT provider. Um, in your in your area ask for help work on skills um and thank you so much for having me yeah that's perfect thank you so much for coming on it was a pleasure having you today take care thank you guys for listening make sure you check out the link in the description to the mind maladies website see you guys in the next episode